And we've been in a series called The Gift of Salvation. Hallelujah. All right, don't worry about it, guys. Let's go to the Word of God, Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. Be our key scripture. Hallelujah. How y'all feeling? Was worship good this morning? Praise God. Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2 and 8, which is also a familiar scripture to some, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Somebody say, Amen. These are some of the cornerstone scriptures in the body of Christ in the church regarding salvation. So many people are confused about salvation. What does it mean to be saved? Is anybody saved anymore? What does it mean to be truly born again? Does being saved mean I go to heaven when I die, I don't go to hell? What does it mean? Is that all it means? And we've been in this series for weeks, maybe over a month now. And if you are new to our church, if you're new watching online and we want to welcome the online community, and those of y'all who didn't take out your phone and send this to 10 people, please do it right now because this is going to be life-changing even for them. But if you didn't hear the former messages, go back and listen to those. But this will be a standalone message today. As we talk about the gift of salvation, Here's what we're going to talk about today, grace and truth. Now, I know it sounds like a little more broccoli and steamed asparagus, that's what we've been saying, because this is a doctrinal message. And I'll tell you what, um, my wife got me on this raw uh, vegetable diet, and uh, uh, I was supposed to be having a birthday doing it today, but I don't look forward to it because I still got to eat raw vegetables. Nobody looks forward to asparagus. Do you go to Papa's looking forward to the asparagus? They have asparagus, but that ain't what you go to Papa's for. You know, they're ordering birthday dinner for me, and I got to eat asparagus. So doctrine is, is like Broccoli. And it's, it's not broccoli like the black people make it. <laughs> Y'all ever had green beans? 
Come on, Sister Mary. Now, Sister Mary can cook up, but and she down in Louisiana, but the regular white people, Sister Mary, you know, they green beans be crunchy. How many of y'all know that? But black people, we cook all the crunch out the green beans. We cook all the green out the green, they're gray, and then we put bacon and ham hock and butter and all that to it. And something that's supposed to be very nutritional becomes high in cal calories, you know what I'm saying? So doctrine, when you preach about stuff like this, and I saw some of y'all in the spirit roll your eyes, grace and truth, oh my God. It's going to be good. Because we got to talk about this because it is the very cornerstone of what we believe. Once again, our brand here, Word of Faith. We believe you don't have to be broke. We believe that God don't put sickness on you. Somebody say amen. amen. That you can be healed. We've got a lot of people who have gotten healed. We've got a lot of people who have had all kinds of miracles from receiving their sight. They were blind or receiving their hearing that they were deaf and people getting their heart healed and women getting their wombs healed and all kinds of things, diabetes and stuff. And then we believe that you, you don't have to be broke. Somebody say amen. amen. That brokenness is not a mark of your holiness. Somebody say amen. That God wants us to prosper. And we are spirit-filled church. You didn't hear us today, I don't think, but sometimes we do break out and speak in tongues. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes we lay hands on people and anoint people with oil. But, but today, y'all, we're going to deal with some doctrine. Because the Bible says in the last days that people will fall away from the truth, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And the reason is because most churches preach what we call gospel light or church light or easy listening preaching. Somebody say amen. Kenny G preaching. How many of y'all remember Kenny G? Yeah, he loved you to sleep, right? So, so, so y'all, over here, that's not what we believe in. And, and sometimes people mix that up to say that we're not gracious, that, hey, man, they too legalistic or judgmental. But I love this scripture, for the wages of sin is death. That's a hard truth. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody say that's truth. That means if you sin, it leads to death. If you sin against the, the, the commandments of God that you, you deserve to die and go to hell. But here's grace. But the gift of God, everybody say the gift of God, that's grace, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I'm going to make a lot of emphatic statements. And I want you to listen if you're a note taker, you want to take some things down. Number one, salvation is for sinners. What a novel idea. It's not for good people. It's not for people who already got it together. It's not for those with a clean record. Salvation is for sinners. Everybody say that. Salvation is for sinners. Listen to this next statement. Most people don't think they really need a savior. Salvation. Because they don't see themselves as sinners. Or at least not sinners as bad as the next man. Somebody say amen. So since most people don't see themselves as sinners, most people will never experience salvation, although it's 
easy and available to all, is free, which means indirectly that most people when they die will go to hell. Luke chapter 13, verse 23, the disciples asked him, they were curious. They said uh, to, to Jesus, are there going to be a few saved? What do you think Jesus answered? Listen to what he said. He said, strive to enter at the straight gate. For many I say unto you, everybody say many. Everybody say most. Say, strive to go into the straight gate. For many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. And pastor, that don't really mean most people ain't going to make it. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He answers it again more clearly. He says, enter in at the narrow gate, the restrictive gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there will be many, everybody say many, or most that will go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leads to life, and only a few will find it. They asked Jesus, will only a few be saved? What's the answer to that? Yes, according to Jesus. Not according to the popular preaching of the world, not according to the popular, popular political correctness, but according to Jesus, he answered the question directly. He said there's only a few, and most people are going to be lost. I'll prove it to you. Most people will never experience the good life. Most people won't find or fulfill their assignment. Talk to people. They don't even know their purpose, most of them. Most people will never experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Most people will never tap into the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost. Here's proven. Did you notice most people in your neighborhood go to work every day? But hardly anyone went to church this morning? How many of you had a traffic jam coming out of your neighborhood? Coming out of your apartment complex to come to church this morning? No. Most people are not even Christians. Not even trying. Somebody say amen. And why is that? It's because of the subject we're going to talk about this morning, grace and truth. Oh God, this is going to be so good. Because there's a tension between grace and truth that most people can't handle. Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 14. And it says, and the word was flesh. We know this scripture. Many of us memorized it in the old Baptist church. In the beginning was the word, and the words were God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yes? Who was that? His name was Jesus. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Watch this. Full of what? Grace and truth. Look at the 17th verse. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Why are most people are not going to be saved? Why are most people are going to go to hell? Why are most people not living as Christians right now? Because there is a tension, especially in our present day climate, between grace and truth. Listen to this. We live in a society that is increasingly hostile and intolerant to truth. We used to have a shirt at our bookstore 
that said, truth, the new hate speech. Because now all of a sudden, people associate, if you say the truth, that that's hate speech. If you tell them the truth, that you're hating on them. And at best, that truth is just your truth because I can live by my truth and there is no absolute truth. If you've ever heard that, say yes. This is odd. So now if you tell someone the truth, if I tell you the truth, that means I hate you. There's no room now in society or even in the church where I can speak the uncompromising truth and still love you. Ephesians 4.15 says, but speaking the truth in love. So in marriage, truth and love, you can speak truth and still love somebody. Somebody say amen. Now, if you're my friend and let me go around all day with a book hanging out my nose, I'm going to question whether you love me or not. Somebody say amen. Now, most pastors have taken their talking points from Hollywood. They've taken their preaching points from what's trending on Google and Instagram and the politically correct police. We've acquiesced that to express love to our congregation, we must at best go along with getting along with the lies of the world and at worst actively participate by propagating the lie ourselves so that we can appear to be about grace. So there are two extremes, and if you've ever gone to church, you've ever seen anything on the internet, there are two extremes. Pastor Geno Jennings, Pastor T.D. Jakes. There are two extremes of preaching and brands of churches. Two extremes, everybody say two extremes. There's those truth churches. They all about truth. Somebody say amen. Rigid, all about the truth. Her dress is too short. May be true. He acts too feminine. May be true. That boy smells like weed. Mm-hmm. She has alcohol on her breath. We stand against such things. We preach holiness of hell. Oh God, this is going to be so good. We have to come out and be separate. And we preach some of that stuff over here. Somebody say amen. amen. But then the other stream are the grace churches. Oh God. Grace, grace, grace. Come as you are. The seeker-friendly church. And the seeker-friendly church is, is, is so fascinating. To me, it's such a fascinating concept. They have about 20-minute sermons. They don't preach strong doctrine. They try to use the vocabulary of welcome and invitation. Their said goal is to get people into their environment, then bait and switch to doctrine in the small groups, which never happens in the small groups. They never deal with sexual sins. They never deal with tithing. They never, never, never preach about hell, holiness, or separation, they grow rapidly. 20,000, 30,000 members. Because mm. no one feels guilt or condemnation. God loves you and God's going to do great things for you. They're told every Sunday. 
If you ever made mistakes, this is the place for you. You're welcome here. There are no hymns sung, no preaching on negatives. Wendy Williams used to preach five hot topics a day. These preachers never preach one hot topic a year. Somebody say amen. There's no preaching on sin, no preaching on repentance, no communion, nothing to offend the seekers. The seeker-friendly churches feel like it may take a little long to bring change in behavior and conduct so that people will still be here, I believe, when the rapture happens because they haven't had a real conscious change and they haven't really been born again. Notice they use words like mistakes, mishaps, and shortcomings to substitute for sin. But I want to tell you this morning that God's grace is only as visible as God's truth is clear. Think about this. This is a brain hack. But think about this for the grace churches. You know, <laughs> it's pointless to tell me I'm forgiven if I'm not sure why I need forgiveness in the first place. If I'm already all right, what do I need forgiveness for? If I'm doing everything right and God has set me the way I am, why should I ever need forgiveness so I can change? Somebody say amen. amen. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty of grace and truth. They complement each other. They're both necessary. They're not a part of a continuum. They are not opposite ends of the pole. There are two essential ingredients. Without massive doses of both, you will not be a healthy Christian. And Jesus was the master of applying them both equally, not balancing them or measuring truth and grace in small doses. No, Jesus poured out both grace and truth like a fire hydrant. You remember the woman caught in the very act of adultery? You remember what the scripture said in John 1:17? It said the law was given by Moses. So the Pharisees brought her and said, according to the law, she should be stoned. How did Jesus deal with her? He dealt with her with grace and truth. First of all, he got rid of the law. He said, those of you who without sin cast the first stone. He didn't say she didn't deserve to die. He said, but those without sin cast the first stone. So they all dropped their rocks. Somebody say amen. And some of you need to drop your rocks too. Somebody say amen. Some of y'all older women, and, and the women, the girls come in here and tell my she fast. You remember, you was fast too. Come on, somebody. See, they just didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have Facebook and Instagram. But if they did, we could go back and pull up some pictures yeah. and some videos. Somebody say amen. amen. So some of us need to drop the rocks. But he got rid of the Pharisees and the law, but then he dealt with her in grace and truth. He told her, where are your accusers now? She said, there are none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Everybody say, that's grace. But then he said, go and sin no more. That's truth. He called what she did, what? Sin. That was wrong. Somebody say amen. Oh God, are y'all still with me? Jesus dealt with her in grace and truth. Did he tell her as many of the grace churches, seeker-friendly churches would say today? Oh, 
Dear, you're welcome here. We won't make you feel bad. We won't preach against your sin or even call it a sin. You made a mistake. We all made mistakes. Did Jesus say that? No. Huh? Huh? No. He didn't. Or even worse, did he say, since you identify as an adulterer, we support your identity. And here we are a adultery affirming church. Did he say, I don't hear nobody. No, he didn't say that. Jesus tells her after she first realizes that she's deserved to die for her sin, according to the law, he said, I don't condemn you. Somebody say amen. That's grace. And then he told her truth, go and sin no more. What you did was sin. Are y'all following me? Won't be a long message. I'm getting ready to close. But I wanted to leave you with this thought. So the truth is, abortion is wrong. Two amens on that. Let me see if I'm in the right church. The truth is, killing a baby in the womb is wrong. But the grace is, Jesus died for that. The truth is, same-sex fornication is as wrong as opposite-sex fornication. But the grace is that Jesus will forgive you for that. The truth is that not paying your loans and your debts, the Bible calls it wicked. And overeating is idolatry. But the grace is that God forgives all of that. The truth is God hates lying and he hates divorce. But grace is Jesus paid for all of that over 2,000 years ago with his blood on the old rugged cross. On a hill far away. Come on, somebody. It's the old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old rugged cross. Boys, where are sinners? The lost sinners were slain. You know that songwriter said, I cherish the old rugged cross. To my trophies at last I lay down. I would cling to that old rugged cross and it changed it someday for a crown. The truth is that my old life was wrong. Somebody say amen. amen. But the grace is that we have people in our church and even in our leadership and on our praise team who have experienced all the things that we just mentioned in their whole life. But grace says, I don't deserve to be forgiven. But how many of y'all know I don't deserve to be saved? But grace says, I give it to you as a gift because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So I don't have to say homosexuality is okay. It's a sin. But I can tell you, if you come as you are, come on somebody. If you humble yourself, if you repent of your sins, Jesus will forgive you. And he'll make you new. Somebody say amen. Hmm. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. I close with this and I'm done. Happy birthday to y'all. It's my birthday present to y'all. 
1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 says this. Truth is, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived that neither fornicators, sexual immoral people, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminates, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, that's hard. That's heavy, isn't it? There's no wriggle room in that because that's truth. But the grace is, verse 11. Oh, I, I think I'm going to have a couple of people to shout. And such were some of you. See, we were all used to be something. Come on, somebody. We all used to be something. We got some women that kissed a girl and liked it, but they ain't like that no more. Somebody say amen. We got some people that used to smoke weed, but we don't smoke weed no more. We got some people who used to get drunk on the weekend. Come on, somebody. Used to party all the time. Used to back that thing up and drop it, but God saved us. Come on, somebody. The grace is some, such with some of you, but watch this, you were washed. How many of y'all thank God for being washed? We were washed in his blood over 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. He washed us in his blood. How many of y'all know his blood will never lose its power? It reaches to the highest mountains. It flows to the lowest valleys. The blood that give me strength from day to day it wash me, it wash me, it wash me, white as snow. Hallelujah. The grace is some of us used to be some of that. The grace is some of us used to be some of that. We was fornicators. We was idolatrous. We was adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, extortioners. We did something strange for a little bit of change. We used to do something rash for a little bit of cash. That's who we used to be. You ought to tell somebody, you wouldn't want to know me in my own life. I was low down. If I didn't cuss you, I'd cut you. Somebody say amen. But Jesus, I thought I had two people. Jesus, he washed me. He washed me. He washed me. Water and snow. But you are washed, you're sanctified, your Holy Ghost filled, you're fire baptized, now you're justified. You was a sinner, but you're born again. Places I used to go, I don't go no more. I'm not just talking about physical places. 
I used to go to Pornhub. I used to go to BigBoobies.com. The places I used to go, that's who I used to be. But Jesus, he washed me. His blood, his blood, it washed me. He changed me. He turned my life around. And if you're here today and you need a life change, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're not going to tell you you're right in your sin, but we're going to tell you just as I am without one plea, you can come to the cross. You can come and get lost. I thought I had some Christians that will witness to the people that need to come. No matter what you're going through, no matter what lifestyle, no matter what you've done, he'll wash you. He'll justify you. He'll sanctify you. He'll make you new. testify that I was sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply staying within sinking I was going down for the last count but the master of the sea he to this I'm addicted to that I've tried it on my own Jesus Jesus I called his name Jesus anybody ever called him what did you call him say Jesus Jesus I need you and the Bible says that they that call I called him and his grace was amazing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me you ever call somebody wretched that's where it came from amazing grace I was wretched he saved a wretch So now for him I live, 
and for Christ I'll die. I had the world and everything it could offer. Now I'm in the kingdom. I've had both sides. The kingdom is better. If you know the kingdom is better, you ought to make some noise. If he saved you out of anything, you ought to stand on your feet and say, thank you. and truth it's not either or we ain't gonna never tell you it's alright to come over here with no pronouns somebody say amen but we're not gonna put you out are we is your church gay friendly what's the answer to that what's the answer to that yeah we friendly to gay people they can come down and sit right next to the adulterer, right next to the fornicator, right next to the weed smoker, right next to the shoplifter, and humble themselves and repent from sin and give their life to Christ and get born again. And is everything going to change overnight, Bishop? No. They ain't gonna change overnight. See, that's what some of us got a problem here, our leaders. You let her work on that. You, you ought to see her Facebook page. She just got saved. She gonna change her Facebook page? Just let her keep hearing the word. But the Pharisees, you ought to stone her. That dude kind of sweet, he got a tongue ring. How you gonna stand in the parking lot? You know, grace and truth, it causes all kind of inconsistencies. Because grace and truth isn't measured on a measuring stick. He knew Judas was gonna Betray him, he knew Peter was going to deny him. He gave Peter the heads up about the denial, didn't tell Judas nothing. Told him, go ahead and do what you're going to do. Told Peter, you're going to be able to come back and repent afterward, didn't tell Judas nothing. That wasn't fair. 
that wasn't consistent. Well, Pastor, why you do this over here, but you do that over there? Everybody say, none of your business. It's grace and truth. <laughs> it's grace and truth. There are people we'll let play instruments that we would never let teach children's church. That's not fair. Mind your business. I thought you say all sin is the same. No, all sin can be forgiven by God. The blood of Jesus forgives all sin. But all sin ain't the same. No, the Bible says some sins are abominations, which means it caused the person more defilement and more demon oppression. And some things cause demonic possession. And so we can't be fair and consistent. We're not going to be fair and consistent. We're going to walk in the love, grace of God and the truth of the word of God. Somebody say amen. That mean that we'll let work a parking lot, but we won't let them teach a men's class. It's grace and truth. Is your church friendly to homosexuals? Somebody asked you to tell you? Because see, that's the whole thing right now is sex. You know, the reason, the number one reason why people leave the church, Christian church, they say it's doctrine. They say, it's, I mean, almost always when I get down to it, especially I talk to a brother, it's all about sex. Sexuality. They go to another belief system, I'm spiritual. See, because yoga don't say nothing about you got to be married before you have sex. And Buddha don't say that either. And Hebrew Israelites don't say that. Well, they say you can have multiple wives. That's why a lot of black men are leaving to go to that. Because they can live the polymoric lifestyle. It's always about sex. Y'all, we need to get over sex. Somebody say amen. amen. Go ahead and get married, get your wife, get your husband, and solve that problem. Amen. I solved that problem real good 32 years ago. Amen. I don't need nothing else. That's why your, 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 your honey and your money safe over here? Amen. I don't touch nobody behind over here, except she don't like me to say that, so I ain't going to say who's behind I be touching. Don't have to. I'm not a pervert. Amen. We don't mess with children. Somebody say amen. amen. We don't mess with little girls or little boys. We don't let nobody in leadership do that. Somebody say Amen. Because we believe in grace and truth. But there are people that come here, they've had all kinds of problems. Y'all, back two or three buildings ago, we had two black ladies, they was 40 years old, had met each other, never lived together, it's biological sisters. They was having incest with each other. And nobody in the church ever knew it. And we were walking them through. And they were serving in some capacity certain things. Grace and truth. Somebody say amen. Now you're not going to work with the children going through that. Somebody say amen. 
We ain't let them touch the children. For y'all, this is a place where you can grow, where we'll love you, we'll love on you, and we'll help you through. We're just not going to co-sign on you what you're doing. Somebody say amen. But we'll love you. Somebody say amen. Because you know, we say stuff like, if it had not been for the grace of God, there go I. No, no, no. There was I. But I encountered the grace of God. Somebody say amen. So if you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed. 